You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for being with us. So this week, I'm here to share with you my conversation with Michigan veteran, John Beltran. There is a certain language in this project, a certain sound, a certain style. There's an earthiness to this. And it's like, this is the best, to me, the best Placid Angels album. This album is what I kind of meant this sound to be. Well known and widely respected for his indisputably Detroit sounding club focused creations, John Beltran has also been a pioneer in the ambient techno space with his Placid Angles project, a moniker he has been producing under since 1997, when he was inspired by Greenpeace's Save the Ocean movement. John has shared a handful of precious Placid Angles releases, and this year he's brought the moniker back for an album. Touch the Earth has recently been released on Len Fakie's figure label, with ambient tones, spacious chords and breakbeats. You're about to hear John and I chatting about hiking, his experience of scoring music for the Oprah Winfrey show, and how he's sustained a love for working in music throughout his entire career. I hope that you have a wonderful listen to John Beltran on RA's Exchange. We are welcoming John Beltran to The Exchange. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. Um, would you paint a picture for our listeners? Where are you today and what has today had in store so far? I live in Lansing, Michigan. It's my hometown. Um, lived other places, but my my family's here. And uh, um, after um, moving around, even my state and the country, this is where I where I want to be. So close to family and small town, college town. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. And what's the um, the lockdown situation for you guys at the moment? You know, Michigan has been has done really well. We have a great governor, um, and she's really, she was no nonsense from the beginning. So um, we have a lot of trust in her. Most of us do. Um, most um, logical thinkers have a, <laughs> a lot of faith in her, and and it's kept us safe. So. And, and we're starting to get the vaccines and um, rolled out to all ages now. So we're, uh, we're getting there. Nice. Yeah. Um, so we've all been spending much more time at home. Mm-hmm. What has that meant for you in terms of producing at home? Have you had to adapt or upgrade your home setup at all? You know, I have done a lot of upgrading, um, but I um, put out a lot of music in the last year. Uh, more than I've ever done. Um, geez, I have uh, two records coming out, a film coming out that I scored this year. Um, that was that's been in the work for works for a couple of years. But I have another kind of side jazz project I'm working on, world music jazz project. Anyways, um, yeah, there's only one thing. You know, there's just you know, there's not much to do. So music is it for me and uh spending time with my son and and my fiance so it's pretty it's been you know you know um okay for us Mm. Mm -hmm. 
So in terms of kit, how have you kind of upgraded your home setup? Well, now I'm sponsored by Pro Tools now, so I got a whole the whole the whole package of software from them, as well as a uh, control surface. Um, it's called the S3. It's a pretty it's a 16 channel um, uh, controller, um, really awesome, and um, as well as I got the new machine um, from Native in- Native Instruments. Um, uh, new new Dave Smith keyboard, uh, Profit new Korg um, Wave Wave State, which is I don't know if you're familiar, but it's similar to the old Wave Station, which is like you know one of my heroes. So um, kind of mixing a few different things, my Korg and um, Dave Smith the kind of analog digital mix uh, that I love to do. You know, have the the cutting. Uh, 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 analog synth with the digital uh, warmth as well as I'm using the Roland cloud as well I'm like so stoked about it I, I tell all my friends about it I don't know if you're familiar with it so basically it's all Roland's vintage keyboards and drum machines all on a cloud and I just can't get enough of it you know I'm like messing with like acid house patches and stuff like that so I'm I'm, I'm gonna get weird with that in the next few months so it's, I look forward <laughs> to that that's a lot of fun. Yeah. It so is. you're quite happy with your current setup, but yeah. how does this differ to what you started making music on? And can you take us back? Oh, geez. Yeah. So um, in the beginning, when I first started listening to electronic music, te- techno at the time, Detroit techno mainly, because I was just from down the road um, for me, um, the scene. And um, I borrowed a couple keyboards from friends and would kind of do some tracking on my own this little track machine and and got a lot of great uh response from my friends and because they were into the music too and and i was kind of you know um doing something interesting and i needed something i needed to move on to something a little more professional when i decided yeah let's do this um um really try to, to do this and uh uh, I got a VFX, an Ensonic VFX. It's an old digital board from the early 90s, late 80s. And my father co-signed for me because I was broke at that time, <laughs> um, like most 20-year-olds, um, as well as a computer. It was a Hyundai PC, and my father co-signed for it. And I got this um program called cakewalk and it was um like i just you know i spent all day on it every day and that became my thing so that was kind of my introduction to um to some professional the professional side of things the gear and then um carl craig i'd made a song called uh, aquatic and carl craig uh loved it and put it out in 1991 and we were kind of off to the races mm. And before you ever had a go at making music, mm-hmm. would you be able to take us back and share with us the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you, what is your earliest memory connected to sound or music? Yeah. Well, my dad's a very musical guy, had a big record collection. My family's very musical, so I would say, geez, um, I remember the Beatles a lot. Um, I remember Latin music. I remember doo-wop. My dad was a big doo-wop fan, so a lot of 50s music. 
My father loved George Jones as well. Um, country, American country artist. Um, but if sound, I would say, yeah, I would say, um, I'd say like the Beatles. Beatles and classic rock. Um, so the first music I, I could remember, like, you know, getting into. Because, like, you know, I play a lot of classic music for my son. And I've done it since he was a little boy. And that's kind of where, um, oh, the, but that was, you know, how should I say this? So the Beatles were kind of before my time, before when I was a little kid. And kind of, you know, I listened to Doobie Brothers and Chicago and a lot of, like, classic rock stuff on, you know, summer days or whatever, driving around with my son. And that's before his time as well. So it's kind of like, you know, um, there was that music, the Beatles was kind of uh, my dad's music of his youth or at least young younger days and so is kind of like listening to the doobie brothers or something like that so my son hears older music he doesn't hear like you know electronic music he does because he hears dad working but he hears a lot of what i used to listen to it's kind of uh, the colors of his life yeah mm. nice to keep passing that on how old is he now he's 10 now Okay. Yeah. Very receptive. Yes. Age. Now he's well. He's into like marshmallow and like he's starting to get into like some fun stuff for kids. But um, uh, yeah, I still try to keep him into the into the classic stuff too. So. <laughs> um. So you were kind of getting into it before, but um, I would love if you could paint me a picture of Detroit and what things were like when you were kind of arriving on the music scene. You know, what was inspiring you mm -hmm. and where were you going? Who are you meeting? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a classic story. It's been told by probably a lot of different people. We all have kind of <clears throat> little different stories. Um, so being from Lansing, we kind of had to track down. There was an hour away. So we had to, you know, um, it was a big deal um, being in this college town with just kind of boring bars. And, you know, we were, it wasn't very interesting. <clears throat> So, um, you know, when we got wind of these places, um, like the shelter and the majestic and, um, the UN where guys like Derek May and Blake Baxter and Mark Kinchin were playing a place called wax fruit, which we, um, went to a lot. Um, yeah, the energy is the first thing you think about and, and, Something about this, the fashion um, was very particular in Detroit. Um, a lot of black, a lot of Doc Martens, a lot of black frame glasses, a lot of... It was really kind of Frenchy, Britishy, mixy feel of like a really cool blend of new wave and, and kind of... Oh, geez, well, it's, you know, just kind of noir kind of vibes, you know, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And first of all, the energy and the fashion were off the, you know, charts, interesting to us. And then the music just took, um, took over, really did. And, you know, I don't like to oversell it or undersell it um, because, it, you know, there's been lots of music since but it was for me the seminal moment for me in electronic music to hear this stuff that was 
alien because I was into some cool things, you know, some I was in a lot of post punk and um, uh, new wave and she's oh, a lot of industrial. So I, I was into some some cool stuff, but this was next level. The funk behind the music, the the um, the the soul behind the music, uh, the blackness behind the music was, um, was the, was the, you know, that what, that's what made it different. And, and for me, it was just exactly where I wanted to be and what I wanted to, um, actually end up doing for a career. So. Mm -hmm. And, um, as you started to be part of the scene, who were you kind of working with? Who were you meeting? Who was inspiring you in particular? Yeah, the first, um, well, the first uh, label I, um, well, I first, um, Shakir, uh, Shake, Anthony Shakir, saw him. I was, I took a tape of my stuff down to, um, down to a record store there, and he was there, and he wanted to hear it, and he loved it. It was my song Aquatic. It was uh, on the kind of Detroit, Chicago blend of sound kind of mr fingers kind of baby ford there's a little british thing in there there's um and it was a little detroit in it and um he loved it and got it to carl craig i talked to carl craig um hadn't heard it yet but i played it for him over the phone and carl loved it over the phone and wanted it and put it out on his label retroactive at the time that's a big deal for me um I did another 12-inch with Carl uh, called Earth and Nightfall and had a couple other licensing things in, in Europe with Aquatic and it was going good, maybe a little slow from maybe where I wanted to be. And then I um, kind of went off in my own thing for a while and then I linked up with RNS um, Records in like 94 and they wanted a record from me and I produced a record and within a few months and they put it out in 95 and it's called earth and nightfall so we've had you know an overview of the kind of kickoff of your career and mm -hmm. um, how have you managed to sustain a love for working in music for your entire career and do you have any pointers for maintaining that focus and also continuing to grow creatively well i think in a lot of ways, it's kind of really all I'm good at. <laughs> I think we all have talents, really exceptional talents. We have to find them. Um, this is one of my more, um, this is one of my major talents is music, whether it be playing music for people, um, making people happy, DJing for them, or making music. It's just kind of what I do. Um, how did I maintain the focus? It's come and gone. Uh, there's times I wanted to just not just give up. Not for any other, not with animosity, but just tired. Um, really, no, nothing was driving me, or nothing was interesting to me anymore. Um, but that just, it just I realize now I'm 52 years old now, and I realize now that it's things come around, and you know sometimes you need a break. Um. But if I had to, you know, give advice on how to stay focused, if you just got to know if it's really, if music's worth it to you, 
music was worth it to me. It's kind of like, it's one thing, you know, the word, my worst fear is that I can't hear music ever again. You know, all of us probably, it's one of our, you know, major, um, you know, major fear that you will never hear music again. Um, so it's just what I love, what I, you know, um, it's been there from the beginning, kind of like what you were talking about. Nothing, nothing was regimented. Nothing was forced upon me. It was just part of my life and it always will be. And opportunities come, they just do with, you know, um, diligence and just staying the course Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, frustration will come, money comes and it goes and, but staying, staying the course, if it's something, if music is that important to you. Yeah. And how do you negotiate those moments where you are feeling like struggling a little bit and how do you kind of get inspired again? Oh, I listen to a lot of music and, and the music that I listen to, um, you know, I listen to a lot of Brazilian music, um, jazz and, um, rock or independent rock or and that influences me it always has the music that i listen to is entirely different than the music that i make and it maybe is maybe why i make my music is a little how should i say this um more has a has a depth to it um beyond um the dance floor um so um I'm pulling from a lot of different places and spaces and um, what may inspire me subconsciously in a Brazilian piece of music that comes out in a Placid Angles track um, is something I can't identify with and, and coach something like this, but it's just something you have to, I think I believe in that you have to be diverse in your, in your, um, in your time away from producing and listen to just get it all in because it all sticks to us. That's the main thing to me is that music, um, it comes from somewhere else. We don't, it's not, we're not innately just born to give music. It comes from somewhere else and inspiration and influences and take it all in. And basically, I hope I answered the question there. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I can Mm -hmm. definitely hear that. Mm -hmm. Um, You touched on it kind of a bit at the beginning of our chat but um, you have been very prolific in the last year in this sort of pandemic times. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of feelings do you reckon you've been perhaps and have ended up being expressed through your work over the past 12 months? If, yeah. if that's happened. Um, I think maybe trying to um, hide a little bit from what is really going on out there. I'm pretty good at that in general. <laughs> um, you know, um, it's a crazy time and a lot of people are going through crazy things and a lot of people aren't. So there's this kind of, you know, you want to keep your perspective and you want to keep, um, and you want to, you want to stay safe. I was very much, I worked within the guidelines, lived lived within the guidelines and stuff. Um, but you know, at home, try to stay positive, perspective, um, enjoy the things that are good in your life, right? And um, that energy, um, I generally go through life like that anyway. So 
I also talked to a lot of artist friends. We kind of live this life at home. We work out of the home, right? Mm. We've worked out. I worked out of the home for 30 years. So Mm -hmm. um, with some odd jobs thrown in there. So we're kind of built for this in a way, us producers. But to answer your question, I, you know, you know, there's nothing else to do. So um, couldn't DJ anymore. Um, Couldn't do a lot of things anymore. So it was about, you know, what am I going to do um, in the studio? And hopefully I had something to say, and I, thankfully I did. I was wondering if this kind of moment in the world's history was perhaps a catalyst for you bringing back Placid Angles because it is a moniker that you've sort of dipped in and out of over Mm -hmm. the years. Mm -hmm. Do you think, you know, the the global pandemic has been a reason why we're hearing more Placid Angles music right now? You know, um, I brought it back with um, on Magic Wire um, a couple years ago, and that was before the pandemic. Um, They had basically... Um, you know, other guys at uh, Magic Wire had loved that they loved the first album from '97, and were like, "Let's, would you be interested?" I thought it was kind of a cool idea. I, I had no interest in going back, so I did that, and I liked that album. Um, it was I worked on it with Sammy at um, Magic Wire to make this quick here. Um, the story um, and it. It was kind of between he and I. He would kind of, you know, he anr this basically from, you know, song to song. And there wasn't a lot of, like, you know, freedom. I kind of tried to do a lot of what the first album did. And it wasn't really natural. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. This new one, um, it was me. I didn't have to do a Placid Angles album. No one was asking me to do a Placid Angles album. There was, you know, no label that was going to, release a Placid Angles album. This one I did from from the heart. And there's a certain there is a certain language um in this project, a certain sound, a certain style, uh, chord progressions maybe, or minimalism, um, maybe a feminism with the vocals. There's always been that in my Placid Angles, but it's really um there's an earthiness to this and it's like this is the best to me the best placid angles album and it is the um this is what placid angles is like if i had to like make you know i i don't i always feel a little uncomfortable about talking about my projects as something that important or or but i'm really glad people are feeling it and really liking it but it it is placid angles if whatever placid angles is it that this album is what i kind of meant this sound to be mm-hmm. well let's take it back a bit and um hear about the origins of this alias um tell me why you started using that name and what were the original intentions of the project 
You know, placid angles, start with the just placid meaning, calm angles, and angles meaning kind of a, your point of view in life or um, your uh, perspective in life. So it's kind of just um, um, calm, mellow angles, mellow perspective, I guess, is the whole fight around. It's kind of lame when I think about it, um, when I, you know, define it, but there was something there. Um, and I listened to a lot of new age as well as techno back then. So a lot of new age in the early nineties had earth sounds and it was, um, it was, it was a cool time for, um, for electronic music, um, non dance music, electronic music. So there was this blend of earthiness and, um, um, world sounds, um, mixed with um, dance music, um, mm. and that was the early. And also, I had a, and I've kind of written this in a you know bio or whatever. Um, to um, that, I had a big time affinity for like animal rights and and the the planet and um, uh, things of that nature so greenpeace and and world wildlife federation things like that were important to me at the time still are but that at the time i was very um young and idealist and all that stuff and really um so it it came in it 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 uh, leaked into my music and and i started to kind of name songs like i have a song called save the world i mean pretty obvious but it was you know, that's kind of where I was very conscious at that time. And Placid Angles was always that thing. So maybe I even kind of moved on from that. I started growing into other things and interest. And that's why maybe Placid Angles got left behind mm-hmm. a little bit. So coming back around when I did with Magic Wire now, so these things are way more relevant than they ever have been, aren't they? So, um, yeah, that now it's... Um, Plastic angles just kind of here to stay as far as a con, you know, con, you know, a way of um, way of life or way of thinking of just being conscious, I guess, whether the music is there or not. I'll, you know, I'm not, I'm not shelving plastic angles because if it has to have a definition and a, and a story behind it, it's relevant now. And that's where I'm at with it. So. Yes, absolutely. Um, just going back to the early Placid Angles records, would you tell me about the whale sounds that you use? Like, how did you obtain those? I went into the Atlantic Ocean with a microphone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry for my face. Um, I used an old uh, CD from a, like some new age label and just played it in the behind aquatic. Um, and what's funny is for this new album, I wanted to use the same sounds and uh, sorry I'm still thinking about your face when I said that Um, (laughs) I use the same I found that CD on YouTube that particular with a cover and everything the whale sounds whatever of the Atlantic or whatever it was Pacific and um, and sampled that just for like some little detail in the new record so i I bring back that same sound, the same um, same whale, for um, for the new Placid Angles, and um, so yeah, just sampling. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you have an interest in recording those kind of 
field recordings and phone sure. type of sounds. Sure, why not? I, you know, I'm afraid of the. Believe it or not, I'm afraid of the ocean. So I'm. I probably won't. But um, which is cool. Um, there's a the guy that did the 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 um the cover to um Placid Angles. Tim Culver is my fiance's uh, brother-in-law or cousin-in-law. Um. And he is a um, deep sea um, photographer. Now, the one on the cover is just seems to be only kind of shallow lake or whatever it is. But he he's photographed sharks and whales, and so he's living. He he's doing it for us, doing it for me. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. And um, so, when you are taking a sound that you're going to sample, do you have an idea of what you? look for in a sound like is there anything that signals to you that this could potentially work in a track you know what are you looking for i do i don't do a lot of sampling um but when it's um i know exactly what i want if you know like with a whale thing or um which is a popular old sample the sound of a loon like in the old 808 state pacific state song um that kind of thing you know what you want you could go find it anywhere on youtube and 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 pull it, rip it. So, um, like I said, not a big sampler, um, but on this album, yeah, I did some sampling of, of, you know, earthy sounds and oceans and and stuff like that, knowing exactly what I want. But most of my music is is pretty um, a little more techy, so not so so earthy. So, not a lot of sampling. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps you could take us behind the scenes of making mm. this record. Mm-hmm. What was going through your mind when you started working on this? And then also, I'd really love to hear about your process for making this. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have a vision already? And then it was more about going into your studio and executing it? Or did it come through some experiments? Yeah, um, mainly executing this sound that was more placid angles than anything I'd ever done. I don't know how that's possible, but I really wanted to, the original goal was to make this placid angles and be more, well, be more, um, how should I say, um, over the top, um, earthy with it. And also even, um, Music theory-wise, I wanted it to feel like '90s music, '90s um, uh, breakbeat meets. Kind of, it's very UK to me. So to me, that that sound is 808 state. It's very um, um, future sound of London. Those breakbeats and those you know chords. And so to me, that's the sound that is is the bass, if you will. That's the um, but you know, new, I, new colors, new equipment, right. Um, I had a lot of nice new tools at my fingertips. Um, but also, you know, I'm a better musician now. So than I was then, um, in the early nineties. So there's some tricks and experiments. Um, the clouds over Clifton track to me is maybe my kind of ode to like, guys you know, at, like Autechre and more, um, a little more IDM, right? So I keep, 
I blend the two, the IDM and the, the breakbeat and the kind of lush 90s, early 90s feel, earthy 90s feel. Say, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. What do you think has brought you back to, you know, keeping an eye on the UK sound? Is there anyone that you've recently discovered, other artists from the UK that you've been keeping an eye on? No, not lately, to be honest. Um, friends with uh, Kieran Fortet um, worked on this, did something for his label, Text. And um, so, I, you know, I follow him. I follow burial, um, but um, and you know, there's others. I just you know, it's like going to a record store and you want to buy something. You didn't make a list. I mean, like okay, you're not gonna you know. I just forget everything, so we won't waste time me thinking about who I. But there's a lot, and if something comes, like, someone comes up to mind, I'll I'll mention them. But yeah, all my influences, I still draw from the past, and whether it be New Order or um, eight, you know, 808 State, Manchester, guys, um, that stuff still is the most important and the most kind of, um, the stuff that made the most in, imprint on, and in, in influence on me. So it's still there and it's always going to be there. Um, I don't like to say things were better than they weren't. They're just different. And I just love that time so much and. I'm still drawing from it, which is really cool and great. And I hope I, I hope I executed it for the listener too. So it is quite interesting that at the same time that you have gone back to reference that sound here in the UK, we're having a sort of mini breakbeats revival little wave thing. Well, we were before lockdown when we could mm -hmm. still go to mm -hmm. the clubs. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I was wondering about some artists from this side of the world that you might be interested in and there's a collective of girls called six figure gang and mm -hmm. some of the producers from that fazia Josie mitsu i thought that you might like their mm. so that's please send me an email i'd like to listen i will to do it. i will do so that you mm -hmm. can have a listen love it but it's crazy that you know that's quietly happening over here and then on the other side of the world you are also looking back to those references at the same time. I love it. And I think that you um, young um, British music lovers are are influencing me because the guys at Magic Wire are young and they probably walk the clubs that you walk. Um, and they're the ones that kind of turned me on to um, turn me back to Placid Angles. They're the ones that were playing reference tracks to me what's going on so it doesn't it, it makes a, i mean it's not you know i didn't pull this out of thin air you know i was inspired again by some young british um cats to to um so we're kind of all in the same boat i'm hip i'm 52 but i'm still i'm still here just kidding um <laughs> so um yeah that's kind of um yeah that makes sense to me one track I was wondering about was the collaboration track with Malibu and Baby Blue. Yeah. Tell me a bit about that one. Yeah. So met, um, this is funny, um, met um, Baby Blue in um, Vancouver. I was playing a gig and I went out to dinner with the, the crew that, um, that brought me out there. And, um, and she was at the table. 
and she, um, we were talking about something. They were asking me questions, and I and I never liked this when I just like to talk about what the local sports team is doing or their art scene or whatever, something other than me. But they were all asking me questions, and I was like, okay, so. I was I answered a couple of them and but I heard her in the background I don't know what she say and this is before the the Magic Wire um, record she said you should just make another another Placid Angles album and I just looked over and to me it's weird because I forget that young people go back just like I did okay I, you know I always assume it's all right now and and they have to be extra cool to go back and find anything um, retro or vintage. But that was me. I did it. So we all do it. And all did it. So I was like, that's funny. So found out that she also produced as well. And she made some, she makes some pretty cool trance, right? Um, kept my eye on her. And then I did a remix for Malibu and love her voice. And um decided to bring both of them on so and and baby blue did the first part she did a trance kind of program and got me going really i was just gonna i was like oh this will be a few weeks or whatever before next day after i told her she sent me something okay i guess we're we're going here and then um uh we sent it you know i came up with the basic beat and the changes in the, the arrangement and we sent it to Malibu and she killed it and took me a few days to kind of mix it and get it right where I wanted it. And it's, and it's really, it's different for me. It kind of has that four tap burial kind of UK beat, right? Doesn't it? It's different than my break beat sound on the record. So, um, it, um, yeah, it's kind of a special track for me. I, you know, listening to it, it it doesn't sound like me. It doesn't feel like me because it's kind of me doing something else plus um, and the addition of the two artists, which is kind of cool. It's a fun listening experience for me since it's not all my same things that go on in my head all the time. In a dream scenario, what is the ideal setting that a listener could be in in order to really absorb this project and to listen to it mm, ideal scenario man <laughs> yeah i just don't want to be too too obvious but i think i think hiking a nice set of um phones hiking a lot of visuals mm. water mountains just a lot of blue skies clouds too just a plethora of different visuals and and a nice kind of cool warm day to me because then you just get it's kind of like for me that's my ideal day hiking on a day like that or something and i'm inspired by that my music is basically comes from that so that's the ideal setting and maybe like northern spain somewhere you know hiking and then on your way down to San Sebastian for some good food or something. I don't know. That would be a good day. Mm, yes, I can picture that for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, so I know that you've um, had TV placements for your music and you said that you'd scored a film. Mm -hmm. um, 
what show or film do you imagine that any song from this EP would fit well as a soundtrack to? Um, Narcos, maybe. Okay. Um, some of the ambient stuff, maybe, and Narcos, and some of the kind of, you know, that show goes here and there and kind of everywhere, and maybe some of the more emotive moments because. I'm inspired. I love the show, so I don't generally draw from it musically. But I love uh, the art. The artist uh, Gustavo Santolaya is the guy that does the guitar in the third, in the third or the final, the last, the previous season. Mm-hmm. And he's one of my favorites. He did music in um, what's it called, the Motorcycle Diaries. Um, fantastic Argentine guitar player, and plays whatever. The instrument they play in Argentina. It's not a guitar. It's not a ukulele. It's something in between. So anyways, um, probably Narcos. And not for any tough guy gangster. It's maybe some of the more subtle, beautiful moments of the show. And there are some. But that's all I can think of. I wouldn't, like, totally sell that. But, yeah, I guess yeah, that's I the only one I can think <laughs> Um, before I let you go, I'd love to hear a bit more about some of the places that your music has already popped up on TV. And okay. also, if you can share anything about the film that you've scored, I would love to hear yes, about it. Yes, I can, it. yeah. Yeah, well, I used to... Uh, what was your question right before that? The um, were on About, TV? Um, yeah, on TV. Yes, well, I used to do music for the Oprah Winfrey show. Um, I used to do the bumps, the bumpers, were the music that go when she would go to commercial. So when she's like, you know, we'll be right back, and then starts talking to the guest, and then um, my music would come up. It's kind of like Chicago house music. They wanted kind of feel good, mature adult Chicago house music vibes, and I did that. And then I, I had one of my songs, Collage of Dreams, licensed to um, Six Feet Under on HBO years ago. Um, and then um, this new um, film that's coming out at the end of March. It's called Doors. It's a it's an anthology. It's kind of a young. It's a, it's a younger take, if I had to say, an energetic kind of hip take on maybe like Arrival or something. The movie Arrival. Um, it's um, directed and produced by a really good buddy of mine, uh, Saman Kesh, who's done some a lot of video work. He's done some stuff for, um, I think he did uh, Basement Jacks. He did Basement Jacks um, video. I don't know if you know the one with the um, robot and the the the, um, the butt and the robot. I don't know. Anyways, Basement Jacks. Um, what else has he done? Oh, Kygo. He did a Kygo video. Really talented guy. Really good friend hit me up a couple of years ago about doing this movie. And and I'm really excited about the music. That's all I can say I want to say about it, really. I really, it's called Doors, and it'll be out uh, this, the end of the month, 23rd, I think, of March. And it'll, I think it goes right to Amazon. And I am working out the deal right now with Milan Records, um, who do, they're one of the premier soundtrack labels. They, they, did the Revenant arrivals on there? Um, so they um, they're doing um, Birdman, so a lot of really great scores. Um, and they're my buddy is um, his father owns the label, so I have a bit of an in. It was really great. It's kind of just fell on my lap, and on his lap, we we're like, hey, 
And he's like, I'll put it out. So my score will be um, on this on this label, um, Milan Records, is part of Sony, Sony Classical. And I'm really excited about, to me, a lot of things going on this year. This is this is one of the bigger ones I'm pretty pretty proud of. That's very exciting. Yes, as well as, a, if I had to say, a plug, one more thing, John Beltran album that I have coming out this year. A very yeah. craftwork kind of inspired record, minimal, um, only seven tracks coming out as well on further electronics. So three, three big things for me this year that I'm really excited about. I think people really like. Huge year, a lot to look forward to. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for speaking with Thanks, me Martha. today. Thank it's you. been great. Yeah. And best of luck for this new release. Yes, um, I hope that do. everyone enjoys it. Okay, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to RA's Exchange with John Beltran. I'll have a new episode for you next week. Until then, our full archive is available for you to take in. And if you find something you love, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts as it helps get our stories to more ears.